Welcome to another episode of the Hat Collecting Talk Show, where we talk about the many different metaphorical hats that people wear in our lives, because no one does just one thing, and everyone has a story. Uh, I am your host, Lacey Artemis, a creative Jill of all trades, and today I'm welcoming Steve Cox, who is a transit operator, a new father, a musician, and an evolving cook. Steve has been getting into the science of cooking and working on some bass recordings for fun. Steve uses he, him pronouns for the listeners. Uh, welcome to the show, Steve. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and just want to take a second to mention uh, again I, for the podcast listeners, uh, Steve does have a, a, a relatively young child in the house, so there might be some, yeah, so there might be some some crying or screaming or things in the background. Please forgive the the noise; we can't help it. <laughs> um, but we're going to do our best. He makes um, those when he wants to. So. Yeah. So Steve is going to try to strategically mute just like I do when my roommates make noise and hopefully we'll have the best results. <laughs> the way that we start this show is, um, can you tell us where you grew up? Uh, I grew up originally in Toronto. I was born and raised there uh, until I basically, my wife and I decided that it wasn't a good idea anymore. So um, now, now we live in Kitchener. Yeah, I know. I, I know more and more people who are kind of in that same place of like, how much longer can can we do it yeah. here? Um, yeah. So um, for for my friends and for my guests who uh, are either living in Toronto or originally from Toronto, um, are not getting so much into the like true and false stereotypes and things like that. But um, I'm going to do a quick land acknowledgement here. Toronto or Tecoronto is located on the traditional unceded territory of the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nations, the Huron-Wendat, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, and the Anishinaabe. This is a dish with one spoon treaty territory, and we are uninvited visitors on this land. I'd just like to uh, acknowledge that. And also, uh, again, the listeners will probably know this, but on the screen, we have a uh, dedicated Black Lives Matter button, because that's another thing that uh, the show fully stands behind. And uh, with that, we'll get into the show proper. Um, so in the intro, I mentioned a few of the things that you do, both your official job and some of your hobbies. Um, can you just take a moment to kind of talk about how you got into those things? Well, my job, I kind of fell into almost by accident. Uh, my wife and I decided that living in Toronto wasn't a very good choice for us anymore. Uh, we'd settled on a few different areas. Um, Kitchener-Waterloo area being top of the list because that's where uh, she grew up originally. Um, and then the biggest thing was that uh, we decided one of us needed to have some sort of stable job there first before we moved. Um, we happened to stumble across an advertisement uh, in a local newspaper here uh, looking for drivers for the new light rail system that was scheduled to be opening in the next couple of months that they were looking for drivers and they said you didn't really need any experience outside of a driver's license so i said well it's not going to cost me anything other than the 10 minutes it's going to take me to fill out the application and now here i am so and i, I don't recall what had you been doing before that i was working in a call center before that which wasn't too bad it was uh it was for a medical alarm company. So it, it did help people, but it just, it wasn't going anywhere. So. Yeah, that's understandable. And uh, can you talk just a little bit about uh, how like the cooking makes a lot of sense because you have a family, so it makes sense you're cooking for them, but I guess maybe a little bit more like the, the music and like what has gotten you more into the science of cooking part. Well, uh, I'll start with the music just because it's chronologically first. I started playing guitar 
when I was a teenager, as most young men my age do, I was trying to impress a girl. Um, it worked. And also it was pretty fun. So I've been doing that on and off since I was probably 15. Uh, I've played a few live shows here and there with some friends. Never really got anything of my own that really got off the ground, but it's a, an easy thing that I can sort of pick up and put down that doesn't require a lot of setup time or time that I need to necessarily go out of the house to do. It's something I can pick up in you know spare time and jam around for 20 minutes after I get home or while my son's taking a nap. So it's, it's, it's an easy hobby to, to keep up with. And it's a lot of fun to, especially to, to learn something new. Yeah. I uh, picked up my guitar for the first time in, in a while this morning as well. And just kind of was goofing around for a bit. And it's like you said, it's just very easy to do. So it's a great little yeah. hobby. Yeah. You don't have to, to go anywhere once you've actually bought the instrument there's not a lot of uh, financial upkeep for that and even if you do you can usually find a, a relatively inexpensive at least starting point so and so what got you interested in the uh, the science of cooking as you said uh tv mostly um i was learning to cook because i was living on my own and then again once again i originally learned because i was trying to impress a girl um <laughs> And I would watch shows on TV to sort of learn, you know, a few new things. And some of them would start getting into some of the the cool sort of why why this particular process works for this type of food. Um, you know, when you substitute different components, what kind of an effect that can have. Um, and I just, I thought it was really fascinating. I love random trivia like that. Um Things like uh, the benefits of cooking with alcohol. What happens when you add alcohol to something that you're cooking, or what happens when you know you add sugars or other kinds of starches to things that you're cooking? How it reacts with your various ingredients. Um, you know, fast cooking, high heat versus slow cooking, and I always thought that that was really fascinating. So, what uh, if if you can think of something off the top of your head? What would you say is the most interesting, like kind of cooking science thing that you've learned? Uh, my favorite is probably uh, cooking with alcohol. Uh, if it's something that, if you're a person who, who consumes alcohol or isn't opposed to alcohol, it's something I encourage because uh, it's a lot of fun and you can have a lot of uh, fun with flavors. Uh, the big thing I learned is that uh, if you're ever cooking in a pan with multiple ingredients, especially one that's protein-based and one that maybe is like vegetable, most of the flavors that will come out of your vegetables are going to be water-based or water-soluble, whereas uh, flavors that will come from your meats and your proteins tend to be fat-soluble or oil-soluble. As we all know, water and oil don't mix, but both of them can bond to alcohol. So that alcohol becomes a bonding agent for all of those flavors. So instead of just having two different flavors kind of next to each other, they mix in a much more new and interesting way. Hmm. That's that is very interesting. I'm uh, I'm not really a big uh, alcohol person myself, but that's got me a bit curious. I got to admit, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't take a lot. So if you don't like the the taste of alcohol, you can use a very mild alcohol. Or you know, I find beer works really well with a lot of things because you also get the sugar content, which can add a new flavor. Again, if you don't like something really strong, go with a lighter, you know, like a lager or a pale um, lager, something like that. Or if you like something stronger, go with a stout. I make a, a shepherd's pie that I use a, a stout beer with, and it comes out great. 
Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, so yeah, I got. Uh, I admit that I'm very curious to ask you about this because you uh, said you do uh, drive for for uh, like municipal transit. Yeah. Um, in your uh, time with that so far, what what do you think is like one of the biggest misconceptions people have about like that job or that type of work? Probably that it's e They think it's easier than it actually is. Now, the actual mechanics of driving is not overly difficult. The way I describe it to people is we can teach you to be good at it, but we can't teach you to want to be good at it. So if you want, if this is something you want to do, great, we can teach you. Um, it is definitely a skill, but it's a skill that can be learned. Um, but what comes from it is the, the mental aspect of it where we're out, we're driving, I drive a 50 ton, light rail vehicle. If any of your listeners have seen the, uh, the uh, vehicles that are being used on the new Eglinton LRT, they're very similar to what I drive. In fact, the Eglinton ones are exactly the same. But it's a 50 ton train. It's on rails. I cannot change direction. I can either go forward or I can stop and I can go backwards if I'm very careful. And so I have to be very alert at all times for people who are going to turn in front of me, who walk in front of me, who ride their bikes in front of me. Um, I have to be aware of weather and traffic conditions. Um, leaves are the bane of my existence. I've learned to strongly dislike fall because anytime you get leaves on the track, your ability to stop that train becomes very, very difficult. Uh, so you're very mentally focused and very mentally alert at all times. And that is mentally taxing. How do you, um, cause I know for myself, like something like that would, I think that would like burn me out pretty quickly. How do you maintain that high level of focus for, you know, a full day, every day? Coffee helps. Um, generally they, they do have limits as to how long we are allowed to drive at any given stretch. Some of that is company based. Some of that is transport Canada based. Uh, we are not allowed to drive for more than five hours at a time without some, a minimum of 15 minutes break. Um, the way our schedule is set up, we usually have at least a couple of minutes at either end. Um, so about every 45 minutes or so, I'm getting at least a five minute break where I can get up and at the very least walk to the other end of the train to go back the other direction. And they try to build in um, breaks as often as they can into the schedule just to break that up and to uh, let you switch off a little bit for at least a couple of minutes. And that helps a lot. So yeah, the next question, our, our usual line here, um, when you were a kid, do you remember what you wanted to be or to do when you grew up? The first thing that I can really remember solidly wanting to do um, was probably uh, when I was in high school, I wanted to be an architect. Um, I took a lot of, uh, I took some drafting classes, which I enjoyed and I, I was all right at. Um, and I thought some of the, the design elements of how you, you know, lay out especially houses and things like that, how you lay out a space, how it's got to be functional as well as being aesthetically pleasing, um, especially how to design a functional kitchen, uh, the importance of the what they called the work triangle, which was always fun. Um, but I didn't have the math for it. I was, I was not very good at math. So I kind of fell by the wayside. 
Hmm. Yeah, I don't think you're my first guest to actually mention architecture as an interest. Like, I'm I'm curious, the more that I do these, like, I'm curious to see how the, like, different, because, like, we had a few people say paleontology and a couple of architects, and so I'm curious to see over time how the different, like, fields or specific things fall if more people, and like, oh, why are more people interested in this one, seemingly? Um, so that's one of the little nuggets of, of insight that might uh, come out of this show over time. Um, so yeah, the, the kind of the next question is essentially kind of the, the kernel of where the show is born from. Uh, and it's like, I'm realizing there's more and more of these cultural narratives that I'm, I'm kind of tying to these questions and trying to challenge through this show. So this idea that by the age of 30, we're basically all supposed to have figured out our lives and, and know what we're doing and be set. And for most people, that's not the case. So I'm curious in your case, um, at what age, if, if this is even the case yet, uh, at what age did you feel like you had found a path or a track in your life that you were very uh, confident or happy to follow forward? I would say that for me, that probably happened around so the late summer, early fall of 2018. So I would have been 33. Um, I had been at my job for a couple of months and I was feeling good about it. I was able to say, okay, yes, this is something I can do. This is something that I can be good at. Um, the long-term prospects of this job are good. You know, public transit's not an industry that's going anywhere. We're pretty much, you know, highly recession resistant, if not recession proof. Um, I was in a great relationship, a very healthy relationship that was going forward. We hadn't made all the final decisions about where our future was going, but we were in a position where we were able to make those decisions productively. Uh, you know, we could have a productive conversation about where we want to live. What do we want out of a home? What uh, do we want kids? How many kids do we want? At what point do we feel like we're going to be ready to, to start that process? So it was uh, at that point, I feel like, all right, I'm not quite there yet, but I am definitely going the right direction. Yeah, so it sounds like you were just, uh, I guess, slightly behind schedule on, on that, uh, that expectation of society. Um, but of course, there's no wrong answers here. Um, and so the kind of uh, sub question to this is, what would you say was one of the biggest obstacles to you uh, finding that path and, and uh, kind of verifying it for yourself that that was the right path and getting onto it? Mainly fear. Um, the job I was at before, I didn't enjoy it, but it was a stable job. It paid better than any job I had had up to that point. Um, it had benefits, which were great, important to me. Um, but and so it was it was stable and it was it was there it was comfortable it was familiar and there's always that little part in the back of your mind it's like okay this is a great opportunity but what if it goes wrong you know what if it turns out i'm not very good at this or i make some sort of huge catastrophic mistake that i can't recover from and i end up washing out you know in training or or worse, you know, six or eight months down the road after we've decided to move, and all of a sudden now I don't have a job. So there was definitely an element of, of fear in trying to leave behind what was ultimately not healthy, but was very familiar and felt safe. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Uh, I've had a lot of jobs in my life with uh, no clear, um, like, 
end goal, no like nothing to kind of aspire to. And I didn't really enjoy it. Didn't feel like it was what I was supposed to be doing. Um, and like fear is, is a huge issue for a lot of people. So that's a, a very, um, a very relatable answer. <laughs> um, the next question, um, would you consider yourself uh, shy or introverted at all? I kind of go back and forth. Uh, a lot of it depends on the environment, um, who I'm with, what the context of why I am, am I with all these people? Do I have a conversation topic that we're all here to share that I can talk about? Great. I can go on. If you give me an in, I can go on for, for a while. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I was just talking to one of my roommates uh, recently about that idea of, yeah, when you're, when you're really um, like, sort of vibing or connecting well with someone like I can talk for hours and hours, but like when I go to family gatherings, usually I don't have as much to talk about and I end up cowering in the corner. And after a couple of hours, I'm just like, I want to go home. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's just something that uh, I think does factor a little bit into the the theme, the overall theme of of these questions. So that's why I do ask that. Um, so uh, another cultural, commonly accepted cultural narrative is that uh, once we're grown-ups and we're adults, we're not supposed to really goof around too much anymore unless we have kids or something. But I do think that that's an integral part of the human experience. So I like to ask my guests, uh, and I know that you have a kid, so your answer might be a little, a little different. But um, I guess maybe aside from things that have involved your kid, what's the last silly or playful thing you did on purpose? Uh, well, like I said, like you mentioned, I have a kid, so you're pretty, if it entertains the kid, you'll do pretty much anything. Um, that said, my wife and I are very capable of being kind of silly and ridiculous in front of each other, you know, or sing random songs about just random things that we're doing, you know, like I'm cutting an onion and I'll sing a random song about that just to pass the time or, you know, have the conversation in a, a weird random voice. Um, I'm also a, a LARPer, which a lot of people would consider silly, but honestly, it's a lot of fun for me. Um, I haven't done it in a while because of the whole COVID situation, but it's something that I enjoy and get to have a lot of fun and act silly about, you know, I put on a flat cap and talk with a fake Irish accent for a couple hours and it's a, a good outlet. Yeah, I, I will. I will reveal that uh, LARPing is actually how we know each other. Um, from uh, ten years ago, I did one summer. I came out and, and did some amp guard, and uh, yeah, I remember the passersby would would well, how some of them would laugh, and some of them would actually be like, "Oh, what is this? Please, please tell me more." And um, you know, that kind of stuff is. is uh, if you're into it, it's really fun. If you're not, it's like, oh, just let the people have their yeah. fun. <laughs> It's a little bit of harmless fun. You know, you get to act a little weird. We, the one I do is we play, we rent out the top floor of the bar. So we can always go down and separate ourselves from it a little bit. And then, you know, a little liquid courage, if that's what you need. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's something that like, I mean, I've more recently, I've done improv, which is, I guess, a little bit similar. There's uh, definitely some overlap. Yeah. Yeah, um, I guess that's uh, a little bit more rooted in like, well, I guess I shouldn't say yours isn't rooted in the real world. The, the LARPing that I'm more familiar with is not rooted in the real world yeah. as much. <laughs> um, There's the LARPing um, encompasses a whole array of different settings, some of which can be very, very reality based, some of which, like the ones I do, can be the reality based with 
fantastical elements. Um, like the one I do is all, uh, you know, all about the real, it's the real modern world, but werewolves and vampires and wizards and fae are all very real. Um, or, you know, you've got your very high fantasy, you know, wizards and magic and whatnot kind of uh, environment. Yeah. Um, so a new question that I have added to the show, and this is actually the first time I'm asking it. So Ooh. you get to start the tradition. I know it's exciting. Lucky me. <laughs> so um, another another thing that uh, kind of gets gets talked about a little bit more these days than it used to is this idea of self-care. And I think a lot of people, when they hear that, they they tend to assume like, oh, going to a spa or like getting pampered, like something really fancy. But again, self-care can be like really basic, simple things. And so just based on uh, whatever that means to you, what was the last thing that you did for self-care for yourself? I think the last thing that we did probably that was expressly for that purpose was uh, a couple of nights ago, uh, my wife and I had both had a bit of a rough day. And so we, uh, there's a, a dessert restaurant about a couple of blocks from our, our house and they do delivery. And so we, we ordered cheesecake. So it was delicious and it was great. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of people, uh, food is self-care. And, you know, I recently uh, had a chocolate bar for that very reason as well. So, um, yeah, there's no wrong answers again. Uh, It's just something I'm really curious as to hear what different people will say. Um, So, yeah, another the next question here. Um, I'd like to uh, because this show is about learning and about kind of learning what people do and learning what people like. And so a question that I ask is, what is the last new thing that you learned, whether it was a fact or like a skill and what is something else new that you would like to learn also a fact or skill? Well, um, this one's actually related to one of my other things. I am trying to teach myself how to make gumbo um, just because I think that would be a lot of fun to be able to, to do. It's something I can be a little bit creative with, you know, follow a few basic steps and then add, uh, add my own little twist on that. Um, Again, I, I also try to learn a new song every now and then. I'll hear something on the radio or remember a song that I used to like and think, do I know how to play that? No. All right, let's learn. Um, I've also started learning about um, more music recording uh, processes. Um, I've got some basic programs that I'm looking into starting to work with so that maybe I can you know, record something just even just for my own amusement if I just post it on Facebook to a couple of my friends say, Hey, I did this thing. Check it out. Um, I've got a little bit of basic equipment and I've started uh, playing around with that and see, see where that takes me. Cool. I, again, I feel like throwing out a, just as I'm thinking of it, I kind of want to throw a off script question at you um, because I haven't had too many guests so far who've actually had kids. And I know there's a lot of talk about, like, you know, there isn't, there's no official parenting manual. There's lots of books with like tips and things, but I'm curious to ask you, uh, cause you're still pretty new into it, but like, what is something that like you were, that you were not told or you didn't hear or read or see anywhere that you wish that you had known before you had your kid? <laughs> I don't think there's any one specific thing they told me about kids that I wasn't really prepared for. I think to a certain extent there were degrees you know, how, how much of something you might have to deal with. I wasn't necessarily prepared for, because again, it's, it's kind of hard to predict. Yeah. I guess this next question, I'm pretty interested. I've gotten some interesting answers to it. Uh, no pressure. <laughs> okay. um, 
what would you say are your two most dissimilar hats and hats being either skills or interests? Probably again, you know, uh, cooking. I know there's, you know, you see a lot of, um, you know, high class chefs who are all, who are all men, but you know, around the house, you don't, you know, it's still seen sort of as a, a woman's work or you see guys who, you know, when they're just cooking for themselves, it's just, I'm going to make craft dinner every night for a week and, you know, have a glass of orange juice so that I don't die of scurvy. I say that's a little bit, I don't want to say unique, but a little less common perhaps combined. And also with my knowledge of the, of kind of the science of that, which is not something you get a lot of people getting into, you know, the chemistry and whatnot. People just think, Oh, this flavor tastes good with this. Let's add them up. Um, but people don't think about why that happens. Whereas I very much tend to think, why is this thing that I'm adding going to work with what I'm doing? Yeah. It occurs to me that you're, you're taking a uh, very understandably nerdy approach to, uh, to cooking. Whereas I guess a lot of people, like you said, and I used to be that same type of person when I, the first, like, I think six months that I lived on my own, it's like, I can just eat Oreos and cereal all yeah. the time. <laughs> I bought pancake mix in the Nutella because I'm an adult. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually you realize like, okay, this isn't healthy and I need to actually like learn how to cook a little yeah. bit. But I've had a, I've had like a um, debate with one of my roommates because he does not, be- he does not feel that making grilled cheese technically counts as cooking, whereas I do. <laughs> You can, there's a lot of fun you can have with just a basic grilled cheese. Uh, one of the big tips I heard, uh, if you like mayo, switch the butter for mayo when, before you grill it. Whole different flavor. Interesting. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of mayo, but maybe I can find something else to try. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, use use a garlic butter or, you know, butter infused with uh, you know, rosemary or whatever you happen to like. Hmm. Actually, um, I don't, I don't want to make this like the food episode because I'm really not like a, I'm truly not a foodie by any stretch whatsoever. But this year I have, uh, like I've switched to a mostly plant-based diet and I've had to learn to cook a lot more things of, like from scratch because I'm trying to get away from processed food. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so one thing that very recently just learned how to do was make my own home fries. and. Okay. I'd never really done much with spices before. I usually like my food pretty plain, but I've actually been making the home fries with uh, cumin, coriander, thyme, I think rosemary, and what's the fifth thing? I can't remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, five different spices. Okay. And, uh, um, it actually, and uh, olive oil, and it surprised yeah. me how, how well it comes out. <laughs> and that's, five is actually sort of your magic number of, of seasonings. You don't want to do too much more than that. Otherwise everything just kind of gets lost together. Um, but you can always add just a tiny bit of like cayenne to that. Just make sure everyone's paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My roommate loves the, uh, the, the pepper and the spices. <laughs> my, my wife does too. There's a whole shelf of hot sauces in our fridge. <laughs> um, so obviously with you having a, uh, like, I don't know if you would you consider your job a nine to five type job? Uh, not really. No, um, we we work very much on a shift work basis. So I could start anywhere from four o'clock in the morning to three or four o'clock in the afternoon as a start time. So it. So I guess this question is still relevant. Then I was just kind of a bit worried. It's like because I usually ask like, what's your schedule like, and and do you have a peak time of day? 
I am definitely more of an evening person. Um, I do much better when I have the afternoon shifts than when I have those four o'clock in the morning shifts. I'm definitely a bit of a zombie um, coming in on those days. Um, there are people that I work with who are very much morning people and I'll see them at, again, you know, 4.15 in the morning. They're very chipper and very energetic. And I'm like, I, the next, until I finish this coffee, I hate you. After that, we're going to get on great. But for the next 15 minutes, I need, you're up here. I need you about here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would probably be that uh, that other person. I mean, it's yeah. 4 a.m. isn't as easy for me as it used to be. But uh, like, yeah, for me, I still tend to, uh, like I've been going to bed usually around like 9, 9.30 p.m. a lot lately, um, which to a lot of my friends is just like, the night's just starting. <laughs> yeah. uh, and for me, left left entirely to my own devices, I'm the kind of guy who would sleep till probably one in the afternoon, but then stay up till three or four o'clock in the morning. So, you know, I'm not spending any more time sleeping really than anybody else. I'm just doing it at a much different time. Um, yeah. Now that I have a baby, I kind of, to a point, have to be on his schedule. Um, my wife definitely prefers it when I'm on days and I understand why, because I can do more to help with uh, with parenting responsibilities and that is something that is important to me to try to do as much as I can trying to balance that with the fact that I do have to be uh, well rested enough to do my job that's actually written down in our fitness for duty policy is that I have to be well rested that's a bit of a, a subject to interpretation but you know if I walk in and I've only had three hours of sleep and I'm you know, my eyes are barely open. They're going to say, no, you're not, you can't drive like this. You know? Yeah. That's uh, I mean, that makes sense. Like I was, I was kind of curious, like how stringent uh, or like uh, um, dutiful they would be in, in kind of keeping an eye on stuff like that. Yeah. We, uh, the bulk of it is kind of, uh, you know, self, self-monitored, self-reliant. Um, we have a, f for the moment, at least a very, open culture where I work. So there's not, you know, if you come in once and say, look, I just, I was not having a good time last night, or, you know, I could come in and say like, my son was just not having it last night. Um, so as long as it doesn't look like you're, you're chronically making bad decisions regarding that, there's a fair bit of leeway in terms of, of giving you that, that allowance to say, look, I am, I am not fit for this. And a lot of it comes down to the fact that it is a very safety critical job. Like me going out there when I haven't had enough sleep is not safe. I could roll through an intersection. Um, you know, the best case scenario for that is just, I run through, you know, an intersection at four in the morning when there's nobody within a mile of me. But the worst case scenario is that, you know, I could T-bone a car at 40 or 50 kilometers an hour. And that's, that's a disaster waiting to happen. Yes, definitely not uh, not something that you want. <laughs> um, so the next question here in my list. Um, so obviously the, the pandemic has disrupted most of our lives uh, and there's been positives and negatives to come out of that. Uh, I'm trying to stay focused on the positives. Uh, a lot of my guests have you know started like um, new projects or, or things like that uh, as a result of having kind of more free time. But what I essentially ask is, what is a, a silver lining or a positive that has resulted in your life specifically because of the disruption from the pandemic? 
Well, one of the big things that uh, was happening over the summer, especially, was that we we were running a bit of a reduced schedule in terms of transit service because there wasn't as much demand. They started implementing a few more what we call standby shifts. We always have people who are on standby in case somebody calls in sick, in case there's an accident, in case something happens where they need to put where we need extra bodies on the floor. Um, it used to be that you went in to the office and we, you were kind of sitting around the yard for seven, eight or nine hours. But because of the pandemic, they switched that to, you'll do that from home. You know, you've got to be ready. You've got to be you know in uniform and ready to go. Just keep your phone next to you. And other than that, you know, do whatever you would normally do at home. I got a little bit of uh I don't quite want to say preferential treatment there because I have a, I have diabetes, I have a chronic illness. Uh, there's two other guys that I work with who also do. And because of the pandemic, we were given a few more of those shifts than I think other people were. We didn't ask for it. It was just something that worked out. Um, but that meant that I could spend a lot more time at home and to help out with the parenting load because this, you know, my son was born right in the middle of the pandemic. He was born in May. So, you know, for the few weeks leading up to it, when my wife was home, I could help her out a little bit more because she was great with child. So I needed a little bit more help around the house. Um, and then after he was born, I could be there a lot more because I was only, instead of going in, you know, five days a week, I was only going in four or sometimes even three times a, days a week. So I could be uh, I could be home a little bit more, and I could spend a little bit more time, you know, parenting, helping my wife out, spending time with my son, which I, I really enjoy doing and is important to me. So, yeah, that's uh, that's good to hear. And again, like yeah, a lot of people just said, like having more free time unexpectedly has allowed you know more reflection, more trying new things that they've been meaning to try forever, starting new projects. So it's actually been uh, interesting to um, like, I think initially everyone was kind of freaking out and we're still, or a lot of us still obviously not happy because we don't know how long this is going to go. And it, yeah. it's still an un, unideal, a non-ideal situation, but yeah. glad to hear that a lot of people are at least, you know, getting something out of it. So that's good. I had um, some plans to, to, to try to start a couple of new skills, but those kind of fell by the wayside when my son was born, you know, almost four weeks early. So <laughs> yeah, that would do it. <laughs> Um, so the next question here, and this is one where you can say as much or as little as you're comfortable saying, um, have you dealt with any disabilities or mental health issues in your life and how have you worked through them? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it a, a disability. It's a, a chronic illness. I have type one diabetes. I have since I was 16. So, you know, creeping up on 20 years at this point. Um, and I've had my ups and downs with it. There's times when it's, you know, frustrating to have to remember this whole, you know, little pharmacy kit that I have to bring with me if I'm going to be out for more than an hour. You know, I have to bring this whole thing, this whole kit and caboodle with me or and me managing and monitoring very carefully what I eat. Um, there's not really anything I can't eat, but I have to be very aware of what I'm eating. You know, I have to read a lot of nutrition labels or you know, look up a lot of nutritional information, especially if I go to restaurants, I have to Google nutritional information. Um, so that, that, that legislation that made it mandatory for them to have that information was a godsend for me. Even ignoring the calorie information, I was super happy about that because this is going to make it so much easier because I don't have to guess, you know, 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I'm kind of glad that you, I know this question specifies like disabilities and mental health, but I guess I should probably update it to just say any kind of health issue um, because yeah, like not, I'm not trying to say like you don't have any mental health because you maybe just don't want to talk about it, but. Well, um, I've, I've never dealt with anything, you know, chronic. I've had little episodes here and there, but I wouldn't consider those necessarily, you know, an illness because I, I know people who have, you know, things like, depression or bipolar disorder. And those are, I very much feel those are absolutely very real, but I don't feel like I have ever had, I haven't had it to that point where I've needed that kind of, that kind of intervention. You know, it's just, you know, I'm going through a difficult time and I just need time to sort of work my way through it. And to me, I don't know if that counts as, you know, real quote unquote depression, or if it's just, I'm going through something tough. Maybe that's not for me to decide whether that's an accurate way to put it or not, but. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's why like, this is totally up to, to guest interpretation. And so I, I appreciate both of your answers. <laughs> um, so another question here, that's a little bit newer um, in sort of, I guess, more specific, specifically related to your, like your goals and your, um, your aspirations. Um, how have the close relationships in your life um been supportive or how have they kind of um, felt about those goals and aspirations? For the most part, the people I have around me have been, have been great. Um, my wife is unbelievably supportive. Um, the fact that I'm in the position that I'm in today that I can say I'm on track, as we said, you know, earlier on is because I had her support. I probably would not have had the guts to leave a job that was, as secure as mine was, if it wasn't for her believing that I could, um, you know, my parents have always been very supportive. Um, my friends have always been very supportive there. They do the whole, you know, I'm there. If, we're there if you need us, but I actually, I actually believe that. And I really do feel that I can reach out to them and I have at times to say, Hey, I'm going through this, this issue. And the only reason I ever don't do that is, is mostly my own doing and my own, like, I don't want to bother anybody with this. It's, it's not because I don't think that they're unwilling to do that. It's my unwillingness to uh, burden them with that. But for the most part, yeah, I've, I've been unbelievably lucky to have the support that I've had. Yeah, you actually uh, bring up a good point there in that uh, sometimes uh, we, we kind of do need help, but maybe we just we don't want to ask for it or we feel like we shouldn't or so being able to recognize when you need help and actually being able to ask for it and kind of swallow your pride. Um, that can be a, a big part of it as well. Um, I guess on a bit of a similar note, I'm getting close to the end here. Um, this next question here is uh, to preface, like, obviously we all fail at different things in our lives and some of them are big failures. Some of them are small failures. But what is something that you have failed at in your life that you're like glad that you failed at because you learned something really valuable from it? And if you're willing to share, what did you learn? Probably the biggest one. And I wouldn't, I'm going to preface this saying by that, that I don't think that I'm glad I failed at this, but uh, my first marriage did not work out. Ultimately, I came out of it a much better person than I was when I went into that relationship. I learned a lot uh, about myself, about how to be 
better at being in a relationship, you know, the kind of person that I need to be if I wanted to have that stable long-term relationship. Um, I was kind of forced to be on my own for a long while, which I never really had been before. Um, and so I needed to learn to be a little bit more responsible, a little bit more grown up um, to to take things a little bit more seriously, um, not to suck all the fun out of it, but to say that, okay, yeah, there's times when I need to be a little bit more serious. So I kind of, it kind of forced me to grow up a little bit. And, and I mean that in, in a positive way. And so it was a very unpleasant experience to go through, but ultimately I came out of it a much better person at the end. So yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And uh, thank you for sharing that. The next question here, and again, there's a preface for this one. Um, oftentimes when we think about giving advice, I feel like it's most commonly thought of as, you know, older people giving advice to younger people of things that they've already been through. But we actually can also give advice to people who are older than us. So um, just is an interesting thing I've been starting to ask. Um, what advice would you give to a teenager, to a 30-year-old, and to like a grandparent? The advice I'd give to a teenager is anybody who tells you that, you know, these are the best years of your life, they will have peaked at that point in their life. And everything after that for them has been downhill. Don't believe them. My, my teenage years, looking back, were not great. I did not enjoy a lot of aspects of them. And I am enjoying this part of my life much more then I enjoyed that. Again, don't worry if you're not getting it right. There's usually, I don't want to say there's always a way, another way, but there's usually another way. You know, I dropped out of high school. I never graduated high school. I don't recommend it, but I've made my way around it. Um, so, you know, ultimately I had to, you know, I walked the harder path, but there's always another path. And that's the other thing is to keep in mind is that Sometimes the other path is harder and you may not realize that for someone my age, again, very similar. If you're not, haven't quite figured it all out yet. That's okay. Don't get too complacent about it because you should be aware of it. But again, there's always another path. Sometimes it'll be a little harder, but sometimes that more difficult path might be better for you in terms of you know, your personal growth and your learning. As far as for someone older, chill out. People are always going to do things differently than the way you did. You do things differently than the way you know, generations before you came. But that's the way the world works. Every Everything's always changing. They're not going to go through the same hardships that you did. And that's okay. They might go through equally difficult ones that are just different but it doesn't necessarily uh, make it any easier or make it any worse, but just let them figure it out. The kids will be all right. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Um, Cause that's definitely a thing um, that even like, you know, as, as a, as a mid thirties person myself now, and I'm just starting to kind of hear, um, hear about like some of the, like the new ways that like, you know, yeah very early teens are kind of doing things now and i'm just like what and i'm just like i'm not even like old yet i, I absolutely catch myself doing that sometimes you know I, I live in a suburban neighborhood so i see 
kids walking to school, but we have teenagers who use our transit system to get to and from school and I see them. And sometimes I just, I roll my eyes and, you know, especially when I see them, you know, wearing cropped pants and tennis shoes when it's 20 degrees below zero. And I'm like, you're going to get frostbite, but just don't get up about it. It's not worth it. Kids will be all right. <laughs> yes. So um, this is the part where I like to uh, let the uh, flip the script and let the guest put me on the hot seat. Is there anything that you would like to ask me? All right. Well, you, you gave me the preview of what most people ask you, so I'll try to avoid that. So what I wanted to ask is, assuming that you had, you know, the resources that you needed to, to do it, uh, you know, whatever documentation you would need, you've got two weeks to do or go or see whatever you want. Where do you go? That is a very tough question. <laughs> two weeks. So like, you know, I have, I have two weeks worth of time to yeah, two weeks worth of time that you don't have any other responsibilities for. Um, so my, my, my temptation is to be like, I would want to go and spend like a couple of days in several different places around the world. But like knowing how I am with like, if I, even if I go like to a different continent at all, it's going to take me probably a full week just to kind of like get acclimatized and feel like, okay, now I, I have like a home base here and I can, so two weeks, like I'd almost have to maybe change the question to be like a month or something, but that's still. Yeah, <laughs> I, again, I don't know. I, my, I find myself that my, my maximum is about two weeks. You know, you, we spent two weeks in Europe and we were in a different city every couple of days just by train. And that was great. But sort of two weeks becomes about my, all right, I want to sleep in my own bed again. <laughs> I think but that's that's my upper limit is about two weeks. So something that I'm thinking about here, um, probably about uh, ten years ago or so, I was working at a job, and uh, like I don't normally take like vacations. I usually just take like a day off here and there as I need to. But like for me, taking like a week and going to like some tropical beach, like that doesn't interest me at all. So what I was just thinking of is like, okay, what? So I would just as a hypothetical, maybe if there was like some other some other creator or artist who I really admired and he said like, Hey, do you want to collaborate on something? And like, say like, you know, come to like New York city and we'll like rent a space and we'll just work on this thing for two weeks. And be like, that would probably be very exciting and cool for me. Um, Cause like right now, like that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm using pockets of time to work on different things. But if I could just, you know, no job, no other nonsense, just be able to focus on an art project for like a good amount of time that I think would really kind of be uh, my, one of my ideal scratch, yeah. scratch that itch, the creative itch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that, that's, that's kind of my clumsy answer. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's, that's great. Yeah. Um, so the last uh, official question on our list here, uh, are there any specific causes or charities that you would like to promote or raise awareness of? Um, other than the stuff that you have already mentioned on previous shows, um, I want to give a shout out to the Canadian Cancer Society. They are always doing good work. You know, I know that in our current political climate, there are a lot of other very good causes that are popping up, but they have been doing consistent great work for a lot of years in terms of research um, supports for families of people who for families of people who are suffering from cancer as well as their 
uh, patients as well. And they are, yeah, they are always doing great work. And so if you find yourself in a position to support them, absolutely, please do. I support that statement. <laughs> like this is the thing, there's so many great charities and causes out there. Yeah. So it's like each episode, we're just going to spotlight one of them basically. Um, so yeah, I, uh, this is the plug section now. I'm not sure. Cause I usually say if there's anywhere that uh, <laughs> online that you have like a Twitter or anything like that, that, that people could check you. I don't know if you do, but um, if not, that's fine. <laughs> uh, my Twitter is me just trolling people so it's it's really for my own amusement um but i'll uh, i'll make you a deal that if i ever get any of this music stuff off the uh off the ground i'll come back and let uh let everybody who's listening know where to find me <laughs> yeah like i realize not not all of my guests are gonna have <laughs> kind of like a public online presence but uh you know i like to ask just because maybe there's something that you did have that i didn't know of and yes yeah. so um, i've had a lot of ideas but again you know some of them kind of fall by the wayside but between a between a pandemic and a new baby, it's uh, yes. Priorities get a little rearranged. <laughs> um, so I'll just try to quickly roll through my plugs. Um, so we've got the Curiosity Guide series, um, which is a series of educational eBooks. They're all available in PDF form, all for free on my website and curiosityguides.com. Um, I have music on iTunes, Spotify, Bandcamp, including the theme music for this show. Um, what else? I'm working on a book. It should be published in December. This episode should be out before that. So um, I just have to I actually just got the um, sort of semi-final edits from the editor uh, recently. And I just actually have to go through them and, and do that. Um, what else have I got here? Oh, I have merch. I have a merch site, uh, redbubble.com slash people slash Artemis Creates. And that's all original designs of mine. The vast majority of them are uh, LGBTQ centric, but not all of them. And uh, yeah, I want to give another share, a shout out to my patrons because I actually have a few now. And, uh, you know, Billy and uh, previous guest, Billy Schultz, who has uh, the Nothing to Fear podcast where they watch and talk about horror movies and uh, the Quarantine Kitchen cooking show on Instagram, which uh, you might actually be interested to check out. Um, it's... Uh, We've talked about me getting on there. We're just sort of figuring out some, some logistics. Um, but uh, again, like I'm not a huge like food and cooking person, but like I enjoy watching other people be like, passionate about stuff. So um, that's kind of what I get out of it. Do what I do and try cooking for somebody else. Cause I find if I'm just cooking for me, I'm not nearly as motivated, with it. but when there's somebody else who's going to enjoy it, I'll go to a lot more effort for somebody else than I will for just me. You're, you're absolutely right. And I actually have uh Kind of been seeing somebody new recently, and that's something that we've been kind of excited to to get into. So, um, yeah, is there anything else here? Oh yeah. So um, for the podcast listeners, if you uh, want to take a second to leave a review and, and a rating on iTunes or whatever other platforms allow that, um, that would be appreciated. Of course, you're not obligated, but <laughs> appreciate it. And uh, yeah, the show is hatcollecting.com at Collecting on social media, and uh, you can also reach us at hatcollectingshow at gmail.com if you want to reach out. And uh, yeah, oh, so yeah, now we actually have to do the hats on oh, the party. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yes, so ah, yes, so I actually found a hat that was uh, kind of similar to that. <laughs> yeah, so this I is in furtherance of my theory that everyone looks good in a flat cap. <laughs> well, this is kind of like the, kind of a feminine version. Um, hold on, let me adjust my headphones and see if I can get it on better than this. 
it's like, without these on, I can't hear you. So I'm not sure if this is going to work. No, I don't think it's going to even just Even just a regular flat cap like this, every, absolutely everyone that I've tried putting this on, it looks good on. So. Yeah, no, I actually do kind of like that style of hat, but uh, this, yeah, like I said, this is kind of like the, it's not the proper shape right now because it's just kind of sitting. It's sitting on the headphones, but. It's sitting kind of flat. It's like a Super Mario hat, but deflated, yeah. kind of. <laughs> no. Um, anyways, <laughs> close enough. So with that said, um, thank you again for watching and listening to my listeners. Uh, we are going to hop on in a second and do the bonus episode, which you can get on patreon.com slash Artemis Creates. And uh, there we uh, we do a few more questions. And uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of a fun little, it's a bit more chill, a bit more fun. And um, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this. And stay tuned until next time. Stay curious and keep collecting those hats. <laughs>